Plus, I feel like when you're really starting that type of journey, you never know where it's going to lead because you have often something in your head, like a certain vision, uh, but then you find out things along the way and they're different from what you expected, right? And I think it's just important to keep in mind that you're growing and that you're getting closer to where you want to be mindset-wise, based on your happiness, your freedom. And that's just important to value that. You're listening to The Wise Woman Podcast, Season 4, Episode 147. I'm your host, Alicia Wilford, founder of Yoke and Abundance, coach to entrepreneurs, creatives, and seekers. This podcast introduces you to women on their journey to flourishing businesses and lives. In today's episode, I'm sharing my conversation with Agnes Billick. Hello, 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 and welcome back. This past week in the world of yoke and abundance, I hit a bit of a breaking point around something. You know, this podcast, it is over three years old. This episode is our 147th episode, which means I have been putting out an episode almost every week for the past three years. And I adore getting to talk to you every single week because the thing about a podcast is you are devoting your time to it. And I know that there are so many different ways that we can spend our time and time is the one non-renewable resource that we have in our lives. And so it means so much to me that you are spending time with me each and every week. And I have to tell you, I do my very, very best to make sure that I am bringing you conversations and content that is valuable and impactful. Whenever I read a book that I love or meet someone that has an intriguing story that I think you might enjoy, I try to get them on the podcast. You know, I'm willing, I reach out to all sorts of people. You may even be surprised at who I reach out to or who I try to reach out to. And you who are listening to and supporting this show week after week are always the person I'm thinking about when I try to book an interview for the show. Because the show has now been around for a while and because of everyone who has taken time to leave a review, the show, it's gaining in popularity, which is a great thing. And it means I get pitched by so many people to be on the show. And people will either pitch themselves to be on the show or PR firms will send me folks they are trying to get booked on the show. And in some ways that's great, right? It means this show, the one you're listening to right now, is popular enough that others think it would be valuable to be a guest on it. I'm so honored by that. So in some ways, it's, it's phenomenal. But I get pitched anywhere from between 5 to 15 times a week from people or PR firms. And nine out of 10 times, the pitches are an email full of information about the person wanting to be on the show, but they don't even list the name of the podcast. They don't tell me how they'll do a good job of connecting with you, my audience, which to me misses the point entirely. And it brings me to what my breaking point was this past week. 
I got one pitch like that too many, and I decided that I will be sending anyone who sends me a pitch like that, I'll be sending them back a little template of my own, telling them the three things that they could have done differently in their pitch that would have made me more likely to invite that person on the show. So I got a pitch like this and I proceeded to um, email the person back with the three things that I think they could have done differently. And then I posted the email they sent me and my response to them all over social media. And I got a big response and it made me think maybe it's time for me to teach a masterclass on how to pitch yourself or someone you think would be a great fit on the podcast to a podcaster. If you like that idea, shoot me a message and let me know. Now, what I did not share on that social media post is anything about the few PR firms that I work with that I think are actually doing a really great job. And there's a couple that I work with on a regular basis who do a phenomenal job and they get it really, really right. And today's guest is exactly one of those people. It's Agnes Billick. And listen, I've been sitting on this podcast for a while. We recorded it way back in the spring. And I've been waiting for just the right time to post this episode. And I just feel like now is absolutely the right time. So Agnes is the founder of Raw and Real Media, a company that helps coaches and entrepreneurs get podcast guest appearances so that they can share their message, grow their audience, and get more organic leads. She is also the host of the Raw and Real podcast, which is telling stories of entrepreneurs while highlighting challenges, struggles, failures, and fears. Agnes is awesome. And she and I talk a lot about the challenges of entrepreneurship on today's show. I think you're really, even if you're not trying to pitch yourself to a podcast, even if you're not an entrepreneur, I think you're really going to love hearing from Agnes. She's phenomenal. So I can't wait for you to hear today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Viking Co. is a progressive boutique consulting firm that works with entrepreneurs, startups, small to medium-sized companies, and larger organizations to cultivate a place where people love coming to work with a focus foremost on diversity, inclusion, belonging, and equality. Viking Co. pushes business leaders to push the boundaries of what a great workplace environment means and is for all of their employees. If you're starting from scratch with a small team, or if you're looking to grow your current team, Viking Co. can help to scale your business in a way that both adds to the bottom line while also boosting engagement. From talent acquisition, onboarding and compensation to HR, performance management, and employee relations, Viking Co. has worked with more than 50 companies across the country and worldwide in various stages of growth. If you are looking for strategic guidance on people, programs, or interim people leadership, contact Viking Co. Your people will thank you. Now on to today's show. Agnes Billick, welcome to the Yoke and Abundance Wise Woman podcast. I am so 
thrilled to have you on the show today. Thanks so much. I'm really super excited to be a guest on your show. And you're actually tuning in from Amsterdam, right? Correct. <laughs> so what time? So we are recording at 1.35 um, Eastern Standard Time. So what time is it where you are? Well, it's 7.35 in the evening. Oh, well, thank you for taking out time out of your evening to talk to us. It's such, a, it's such an honor. Of course. Yeah. So can you tell us what keeps you busy in this big, beautiful world? Yes, yeah, sure. So mainly I work together with coaches and entrepreneurs um, that are also often based in the U.S. that really want to grow their business through podcast guesting and have a really impactful message to share with the world. So I find the right podcast for them, hold their hands really throughout the process and make sure they get the most out of these appearances. And so I really try to get them one appearance per week so they can grow their influence, they can reach more people and they can impact more people with their message. That's awesome. I'm really curious if you can share with everyone how you got into this work. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually quite a funny story because I started my podcast because I was very passionate about sharing pretty much the vulnerable side of entrepreneurship and sharing more the struggle that entrepreneurs were going through. And uh, I had that mission and I really believed in the content and I was like, oh my God, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to grow the podcast really big and then I'm going to get sponsors on the show to monetize it, right? Um, I didn't know really anything about entrepreneurship, right? So that was the first thing that I ever did on my own. And uh, yeah, I figured out that I didn't know much about sales, first of all, and I didn't really know how to approach these sponsors and how much time that would actually take. So I realized that it just takes way longer to build up an audience, especially if you're just starting out. So if we take, for example... Brene Browns, she started her podcast not too long ago, and she already had a huge audience through her TED Talk, so she became known. And then if you have those types of leverages where you appeared on TV or on radio, whatever it is, and people know you, then you can build up an audience really fast. But if you're just starting from scratch, that can take up a long, long time. It's and so hard, right? <laughs> I just kind of want to get a sidebar Eris, here for a second because I mean, I built, I started the Yoke and Abundance Wise Women podcast for a number of reasons, right? Like I wanted to continue the conversations that I was having in my blog posts. I was having Yoke and Abundance Wise Women panels. It seemed like a logical way to extend. And I figured it'd be a way to grow the audience. I didn't realize that it was a business venture in itself. Like, I just didn't realize that, that I was like almost starting a second business by starting a podcast. So like this kind of crap, like it, it is funny when you, like, you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah, that's the thing, right? So there are so many people out there, I think, that are very passionate about podcasting as well and that really want to grow their audience because they believe in what they're doing, right? And they, they believe in the positive change that they're trying to bring into the world and I totally encourage that as well, right? That's my mission too. But on the other hand, if you really want to live from it and monetize it, it takes way more and you need to create way more things around it. And if you really take a look at it, most podcasters have like a whole ecosystem and they often sell certain courses or 
a coaching program around it, but their podcast is not their business model. Um, so it's more like a side thing. So that's pretty much what I found out. So basically I, I had someone on the podcast and, uh, and we were in touch for a while and I was speaking at an event about how to start your own podcast. So uh, she got back in touch with me because she wanted some help. She was interested in this space and uh, we had a conversation and basically she realized, oh my God, it's so much work. She does want to come up constantly with content ideas. So she would just like to get her story out there and get on other podcasts. And uh, then I was like, well, like that's some people's job, you know, um, I heard about that business model beforehand. And, and that's actually how we really started working together because I already had a certain network established in the space. And, and since then, quite some time passed and I learned a lot of things about presenting yourself, um, the way how you should tell your story, what are the important aspects that it takes to give a good interview. Um, and since then, I built up my network a lot and yeah, figured out kind of what it takes to get on a good show. That's awesome. That's so awesome. And can you tell folks what the name of your show is? And, and also, like, why was it that you were drawn to that particular topic? Because I'm fascinated in like the vulnerable side of entrepreneurship. But what brought you to that? So the name of my podcast is Raw and Real. Um, actually, how that came about was I really didn't know how to name it. And then I just started reading reviews of other podcasts somehow. And I saw that in the comments. So that really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, again, it's focused on entrepreneurship and really trying to highlight more the struggle that people are going through, the insecurities that they're facing, also if they're super successful and also trying to highlight the fears that sometimes people have and uh, why that really um, was so close to my heart actually was because I was uh, working in the corporate sector in the past as a recruiter. And uh, for those who are not familiar with that type of job, it's uh, you're doing pretty much every month um, the similar tasks. So I was recruiting for the same role with the same tools every month. Um, so there was not a lot of creativity um, and just not a lot of space to develop myself um, and try out different things. So after a short period of time, I was already in a way done learning. Um, and generally the way how people were together was um, they were in a way quite distant and everyone from the managers seemed to be very knowledgeable and never really showed insecurities or also vulnerabilities, which led me to that belief as well. Like, okay, those types of people that have such a leadership role are very successful and, and they don't have these types of insecurities. Um, so I went back to university and actually uh, did a master and ended up doing research into entrepreneurship. And specifically my topic was how the fear of failure affects founders and their decision-making. So I had to really um, get out here in Amsterdam and find these early stage entrepreneurs and convince them to give me a 45 minute interview for research purposes. Um, and, and again, answer some questions about their fears, right? On a daily basis and what was keeping them up at night and how these board meetings party were. And that exposed me to a lot of new information and that completely changed my perspective of the space because 
those founders that I talked to, they were very honest and vulnerable and it was an anonymous interview. So they had no reason to hold back. Mm -hmm. So they were very raw and it showed me just that they have the same fears that I have in a way, but they just act differently. Um, by now I know that, but a couple of years ago, I wasn't familiar with that. But seeing that those people are not perfect, that they also make mistakes, that they also have fears and don't know how to deal with certain situations uh, gave me a lot of strength and it gave me a lot of belief in myself as well um, that I could try out some different things. Um, and, and again, that's how it really started out for me because also personally, when I looked at some people's profile on LinkedIn, they seemed very successful and they seemed just different than me personally. Um, and I just wanted to share that with people um, that, that are maybe in a similar situation, that they are in a corporate job that they're not happy with and they don't have the feeling that they can do other things. What do you, when you were interviewing all of these entrepreneurs, what surprised you the most in these interviews? Like, what would you hear that you're like, gosh, I did not expect to hear that? Well, the funny part is that they all exactly know what they're doing. So I heard things like, oh, then I just be a dick and micromanage this employee a little bit, you know? <laughs> Say more about that. Like they, they all wanted, like they, they all wanted to do like all the things. Well, so I'd say that they often really know what they're doing, right? So sometimes you pretend like, oh, sorry, my mistake, I didn't see that. But I saw that they really know what they're doing all the time and they're very aware of that. Um, and something that I was not familiar with was the amount of fear that they were experiencing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Also, for example, because of money or like, you know, getting reoccurring revenue in. Um, but they still kept going and, and still like their mission or vision was moving them forward. And uh, yeah, that courage was just very, I just looked up to that a lot. And uh, that was just very inspiring to me because I grew up in a, in a world where um, you were not supposed to really take risks and the safe way was always a good way. But on the other hand, I realized that the safe way is not the way where you can really grow and push yourself. Mm. That's such a cool insight. And I appreciate you sharing that from your research because as an entrepreneur who also has that fear of like each month, like, all right, am I going to hit the, the minimum numbers that I need for my own revenue this month? Am I going to, am I going to be able to keep this thing, this ship going? Um, you know, those are always in the back of your head. I think entrepreneurs are also, we do often have community, but in many ways we're in our own silo. So you don't know that this is the, or you forget that it's so normal. Like this is what it means to be an entrepreneur. And though we have to put a glassy picture, like this glossy picture with makeup and hair done and make it look like we're successful. We are just putting one foot in front of the other and having faith the way a lot of other people are, if not more, um, in, in order to make that happen. So that's so fascinating to me that everybody was telling you that. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's the funny part, right? I think it just gets harder and harder to talk about it the more you're surrounded by people that are very successful because then you start doubting yourself even more like, hey, what am I doing that's wrong and how should I change it? But then on the other hand, we also tend to compare ourselves to the people that are way further along the journey or they already learned some lessons along the way, you know, throughout different experiences. Um, or maybe they had like entrepreneurial parents and they grew up with a different mindset um, that you didn't. So I think that's just one important thing to remind yourself of. After hearing from all of those entrepreneurs and as you hear from entrepreneurs now, do you, does it make you change the way you've worked and operated? Like did, did, hearing from all of them make it possible for you to leap into this space? And if so, like, what are some of the biggest lessons that you feel like you've taken from them into what you're doing now? Yeah, so totally. Actually, what really didn't let me go was uh, personally, I was going to a co-working space here in Amsterdam every Friday. That was before COVID. And, uh, I was talking to these people and I really loved it. So I felt like, hey, I'm in, in the place where I need to be, where I really want to be, where I feel super happy. And I just didn't want to leave that place um, because it was just so fulfilling in a way to be surrounded by all of these people. And then um, one of the entrepreneurs that I interviewed connected me actually with a business coach. Back then, I didn't know that there were people out there who would help others to start a business. Like I just wasn't familiar with that. And so, yeah, that definitely um, helped me to really leap into that. But I think without the environment present, probably there would have been too much fear. So I can imagine that, especially now where you're mainly online and you don't have the in-person support from others, um, that can be much harder. Yeah. From this, like thinking back to the stories that you heard, what are some that really stood out that like, if you're having a hard time now, you kind of think back to, to help give, to like light your path? Yeah. So honestly, I think it's really about being honest and vulnerable and talking to other people about what you're experiencing. That helps a lot um, because that always puts me back into perspective when I hear other successful people talking about their hard days. Um, that always gives me a lot of strength. Um, and then as well, hearing that, you know, there's not one way. Mm -hmm. So sometimes um, in the same space, there are other people where, for example, it works for them to build a Facebook group, but it doesn't work for you, right? Um, sometimes there's another medium that just, works better for the type of person that you are and to really not give up and to to keep going and keep searching for this type of person that can help you I feel like so uh, throughout my time as an entrepreneur I had also different coaches I, I have to say and each of them has obviously their own approach based on their experiences in this world based on how they found success. And I've really noticed that not each one of these concepts works for everyone. Mm. 
Mm. So I feel like it's really important to also, if you had two experiences um, that didn't get you to the place where you can be successful to not give up, but to keep going um, because there is someone that really resonates with you that has your solution, that has the right knowledge for you. But obviously always the hard part is to keep going when you, when you can't see it at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. And that can be the toughest thing. I'm still kind of marinating on, on something you said a few minutes ago, that, that tension between as an entrepreneur, really needing to surround yourself with people who are, you know, five to 10 years ahead of where you want to be. We need to surround ourselves with successful people so that we know it helps us light the path to what we're walking towards. But then there's a tension of thinking like we start comparing ourselves to them instead of just letting them be a light. And that tension can make us feel like we're failing when what we're doing is just part of the process. How do you feel like we should reconcile that tension to keep moving? Yeah, I think that's such a great point, right? That there is indeed this tension. And honestly, I had periods myself where that thought of comparison um, just really pulled me down a lot, Mm -hmm. um, where I just woke up in the morning and I didn't have any drive. And again, I also felt like I was failing because I was more asking, you know, why is it working out for them, but not for me? Like, what am I doing wrong, right? Um, So that can be very hard. Um, But also what helped me is, like you said, to be surrounded by those people that are maybe 10 years ahead of you and then to talk to them about their down periods as well. Um, And I heard a story from one of my coaches that he was 40 years old and he pretty much lost everything and he had to like beg, borrow and steal to pay his bills. Uh, But then again, a year later, he was like, turning half a million in revenue. Wow. Because he was persistent, right? Um, so I feel like it's just important to not lose track of where you want to go and to really be aware that it's your own journey and that it doesn't really matter where other people are. But just, you know, be focused on yourself and see your growth and see the wins that you have, however small they are. Um, and to just, yeah, not be discouraged by other people. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I want to like dig into the raw and real here for a second. When I was about to head into full-time entrepreneurship and I was leaving my position as an internal salesperson to financial advisors, I was telling this group of financial advisors who I'd worked with for many, many years that I was leaving and why I was leaving. And one of them called me and he said to me, he's like, Alicia, I'm so proud of you. Do what you need to do. But, you know, financial advisors are actually basically often pretty much like entrepreneurs themselves. They're building a book of business. They're going out, they're getting clients, you know, they're like pounding the pavement, just like, like any of us entrepreneurs would do it but they're doing it oftentimes within a franchise. So there's a little bit more support. There's a little bit more of a proven model, but 
he gave me some of the best advice that I still lean on. He's like, Alicia, there are going to be days where you are going to feel so down and it is going to be so hard that you are not going to want to get out of bed. And he's like, sometimes the right answer is to not get out of bed. He's like, and you know, sometimes the right answer is to like, not go do the thing. And I, I think about that when I'm having a particularly bad day, like I'll go do the bare minimum. And then I let myself take the time. And then I bounce back the next day with a new mindset, but I haven't spread that poisonous mindset that day. And that was some of the best advice I've ever received from an entrepreneur. It's just like, there are those days that we have sometimes where we don't want to get out of bed. Yeah. And I think it takes also a strong environment to keep going and, and to really be surrounded by the right people. So I, for example, remember when I started becoming self-employed, right? I really examined my friends um, and I checked who was supportive and who wasn't. And then I deliberately chose not to have contact with those people that weren't supportive because I told myself, hey, it's already hard enough um, to deal with everything by yourself um, and to learn all of these lessons, how everything works. Um, so you just can't have any negativity in your surrounding that's holding you back. Yeah. It's like, it's got, you have to be surrounded by the people who are like going to encourage you and remind you to keep going, even when it's hard, not the people that are looking to confirm what they think is going to happen. And like, be like, I told you so, right? Like you want the people that are going to be like, no, you got this. You just need to dust yourself off, have a nap, eat some food, take a shower and get back at it tomorrow. <laughs> like, Plus, I feel like when you're really starting that type of journey, you never know where it's going to lead because you have often something in your head, like a certain vision, uh, but then you find out things along the way and they're different from what you expected, right? And I think it's just important to keep in mind that you're growing and that you're getting closer to where you want to be mindset-wise based on your happiness, your freedom, and that's just important to value that. Yeah. On your journey of entrepreneurship, what is the biggest mindset belief that you've had to change in order to continue moving forward? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, so I think especially in the beginning, um, Part of me was doubting whether I could really do it. I think I didn't have like a really big self-image of myself. Um, again, it seemed to me like those leaders or business owners uh, were somehow different than me. They had like different insights or something like that. But I just found out that it's all about learning. Um, it's just like a certain skill set that you need to train and you can train that in different areas. So it actually doesn't really matter what type of mm -hmm. business you start uh, because those principles when it comes to marketing or sales, like for example, how to generate leads, right? Um, 
there are just certain different channels um, and you get to know them and you get to know how they work and you get to know things about human psychology. And so I think it's just really a certain skill set that you learn. I mean, you've gotten to speak with probably at this point, hundreds of entrepreneurs, I'm assuming. I'm wondering, speaking to all of these people through the research and through your podcast, what do you think are like the two to three main ingredients of a successful entrepreneur? I think the first one is to be bold Mm -hmm. and to really take bold moves and to sometimes maybe ask for a higher price or reach out to this person that you don't feel like you can reach out to and, and to just really aim high in that sense and make these moves that personally are also scary for you uh, because they're totally out of your comfort zone. Uh, but again, if you make these moves, your personal comfort zone is going to change and then your image of what's possible on is also going to change, right? Um, so that's definitely one of the biggest things. And the second one is, I would say, persistence to really keep going and to it's it's not a one-way path where you know everything is super clear sometimes um you start something it doesn't work out then maybe you go back take a job for a while learn some lessons there and then maybe you start later again and and that it's really about thinking hey this is my life and this is my learning journey and try not to compare yourself too much to other people and to their success and to where they are. Um, I think that's, that's really important to keep in mind. Um, and then apart from that, uh, to, yeah, really love what you're doing uh, because there are many hard days. And if you are not happy with what you're doing, um, that's going to be super hard to keep going. So to just think about a business model that makes sense because you can make a lot of money with it. Uh, I don't think that will be very successful because again, there are quite a lot of hard days generally when you're starting out and when you're learning. So, um, so yeah, that's not going to be great. Oh my God. This is such good advice. Be bold, persistence and love what you're doing. Oh my gosh. Those are so good. I, I particularly can relate right now to the persistence one Um, I mean, this podcast, for example, um, at the time we're recording this, I've got 120 episodes under my belt and I've been broadcasting almost every week for the past almost two and a half years. And I'm starting to consistently get some bigger names, like people like consistently people who have been on New York Times bestseller lists or are putting books out there that are reaching New York Times bestselling lists. And I feel like I'm gaining a little bit of um, momentum. Yeah, a lot of momentum. And but like also the the podcast is starting to get a really consistent, bigger following. It's not it's still you know, it's, it's still and hum, feels humble, but also the persistence. And, you know, as someone that had no list, nobody knew what my name was prior to this to build into something where I'm getting to interview 
lots of awesome people and and people whose names are pretty recognizable in in the general public it's it's taken two and a half years of weekly putting things out and having those weeks where it feels like you're yelling into the wind and nobody's paying attention to get there. But if you throw in the towel, just because you had a week where it felt like you were throwing in the wind, you never get to the bigger places. Yes, for sure. And uh, if I can throw something in here as well. So um, I was talking to a coach actually today and uh, we were talking about her current situation and she told me that she just subscribed to a program, a sales coaching program, but she followed this coach for over a year before she sub subscribed because she really wanted to gain trust and build a relationship. So she was following that content for over a year before she really decided to put money into it, uh, which just shows the psychological structure of many many people out there that are very relationship focused and that need to build yeah trust with you before they take action which means that i'm sure that quite some of the people that see your podcast sometimes maybe on the feed have to see it 10 times before they get curious about it and, and really check it out that is an incredible point agnes i mean i feel like i feel like you are spot on with that. I mean, it's funny because so many people are like, oh, just create this offer or do that. And that's a piece of the puzzle is creating the offer. But in the in coaching work, your audience has to feel like they have a relationship with you in order to trust you, to feel like they're going to open up to work with you on things that they feel the most vulnerability and sometimes shame around. Of course, you're not just going to go to anybody or a stranger. You want to feel like you're talking to somebody who understands you and it does take time to get there. Um, I have, there are a number of um, male coaches that I have had the pleasure of working with and, and they have wonderful ideas and they're successful in their own right but what they don't understand about like the female coaching model and the work that I do with, with life coaching and creativity coaching and resiliency and transitions coaching is that for a woman to be comfortable to make that type of financial investment, there has to be trust and relationship that's been built. It is not an overnight sale. And so it, it's one of those examples of how women do business differently, how they purchase differently, how they, but how me as a business owner, I have to work in response to that in a way that actually makes sense and builds trust. It's funny that you say that because I also know a coach, he sells many high ticket programs, which are around uh, 20,000, right? And uh, the interesting part he shared with me is that males pay the sum always up front. Mm -hmm. And females always go for the installments that are a little bit more expensive, right? But for them, they kind of hold on to the money for a longer time. And yeah. there are big differences in psychology when it comes to buying things, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's such an interesting... I mean, that makes total sense to me. And that just makes total sense. And explains a lot but that's cool that he pointed that out yeah wow I don't know the psychology behind sales and business it's very fascinating to me 
Yeah. And, you know, the interesting part about it is, well, with sales, there are so many small tweaks you have to do based on the way how you look and based on the way how you structure your conversation. I mean, there are sometimes two questions that you have to switch out and that can, you know, go from a often not close to like completely close. Um, so there are just many small things we can tweak and see big changes. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, Agnes, what else would you like everyone to know about? Well, um, I think one of the biggest things we should be aware of, um, personally for me, I often have something in the back of my head for a long time, something I want to change in my business, something I want to do, but I always put it down on my priority list. And I feel like it's important to lean into that resistance that keeps coming up for you um, and to really make it a priority because otherwise it's never going to happen. So, for example, I know that quite some people want to get out there and speak more um, because it's their heart's desire to become a speaker. But on the other hand, there's often this fear that's somehow holding us back and making other things a priority. So I'd really say just think about where you really want to go and make this really your priority. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. All right, if you could go back and give your like college graduating self a piece of advice, what would you tell her? I'd say start now. Um, so I was spending way too much uh, time studying, you know, collecting degrees pretty much instead of really following the things that I'm interested in. So for example, right, um, if you're really interested in passive income, start a YouTube channel today, you know, create your first videos today. And um, they're not going to be perfect, but you're going to learn from them. You're going to find out more things about the algorithm and just like which length works better, right? 10 minutes or five and so on. And you're just going to be so much further along the journey than if you keep reading another book and keep getting another degree before you start. Um, so that's just what I would tell myself, like, start now. Man, we could all use that advice, right? Like I look back at some of my videos, my early videos from when I started in this business almost four years ago now. And I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, those were crap. And they're still not great, but like every video got a little bit better and a little bit yeah. better. And you can't get great until you've gotten a whole bunch of really not so great under your belt. Yeah. So I feel like often it's just like you just have to jump in the water, like no one else can do it for you. And if I would have known that earlier, you know, that would have been definitely better. But yeah, you just have to make the best out of it. I love that. And then the last question is, how do you live a life of abundance? I'd say I'm very abundant with my time uh, when it comes to the people that I meet along the journey. Uh, so I always try to help as much as I can, uh, whether I meet someone and this person just uploaded a Udemy course and they need this course to be purchased and a recommendation, then I always try to do that. And I try to share that when I meet someone who is unsecure about the job that they currently have I think about my network hey who can I connect them with and who can help them to get a little bit unstuck or if it's just also like 
sharing date ideas and to have more fun with your partner. Um, yeah, I just always try to, you know, add value and be abundant with my time to the people that I feel a connection with. I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to share with the audience what the special date night work that you and your partner do together. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, so basically the story goes this way that I talked once to a dating coach and he said, in order to have a really good relationship, you need to date once a week with your partner. And uh, then one day um, I came up with the idea with my partner, hey, let's just do something that's crazy, mysterious and fun. Um, and then he came up with the first idea to go together close to the forest and dance there to salsa music and like candlelight, right? And, and that was a lot of fun and it was something really special. So we started actually really implementing this. So now it's like every week, one of us comes up with an idea and the other person doesn't know. And you just have to give them some instructions and what they need pretty much for that time. And, and it's really a lot of fun. Uh, you get to know your partner from a different perspective and it totally keeps the spark alive. So I, I really recommend it to everyone out there. I love this. And I know this is a total sidebar, but like, since you and I talked, I think in back in January, um, I like this goes through my head, like, all right, how do you make a fun date night? Like, I think about those things and try to plan, you know, I don't do it every week, but um, my partner's good, good at maybe not intentionally, but he is good at coming up with fun things for us to do. And since you and I have spoken, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, what's different fun things that I can bring to the table. And um, one of the things we did recently were, was we, we made pasta together. I think I shared that with you in an email and it was, it was really fun to like make pasta from scratch together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really fantastic. And honestly, if you think about it, there are four weeks per month. Um, and then if you do two times, right, personally and your partner two times, I think that's really not extremely a lot to ask to have a good connection with your partner and have some fun. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it can be just the smallest thing, right? So, for example, um, what we did one time is uh, personally, I also have a green screen and we wanted to travel together, but obviously we couldn't because of Corona. Um, so we just pulled up some pictures of different cities uh, with the green screen. And then we actually ordered pizza um, and we had that pizza in New York at Times Square with the green screen background. Um, and then we had a coffee in Italy um, and also bubble tea in Singapore. Um, and we also had cocktails on the beach in Bali and that all within like one and a half hours with a green screen. And it was just really a lot of fun. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That sounds like a blast. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And thank you for being a guest on the podcast today. Thanks so much for inviting me. A huge thank you to you for tuning in today. Let's do it again next week. In the meantime, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you enjoyed today's show and know another woman who needs to hear this episode too, could you share it with her right now? Just text her the link and be sure to let her know why this episode is a must listen. Remember, sharing is caring, so spread the love. Thank you so much 
for being a part of this Yoke and Abundance community. I do it all for you. I hope these episodes make you feel seen, heard, and loved. Now, a huge thank you to our sponsor, Viking Co. Thank you to Ira Sterling of Julia Sound Recording for our theme music, and thank you to my editor, to Monty Johnson of FX Media for his work on today's episode. Keep creating, making, and sharing it with the world because that is true abundance. 